Hey listeners, Renee here. Just a reminder that any of the information that you gather from this podcast is general advice. This means that although our advice is rooted in evidence-based theory and our experiences working within the industry, it is still just general advice. With that being said, if you are concerned about your dog's behavior, listening to the podcast is a great place to start. However, we would urge you to work with a qualified dog professional. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. You're listening to Dog Logical, a podcast by R Plus Dogs. I'm Renee Rhodes, a dog behavior consultant, the owner of R Plus Dogs, and a self-professed dog nerd. Along with my friend and colleague, Cassie Dixon, we host this podcast aimed at dog guardians to give you tips, tricks, and bust pesky myths about your dog and their behavior. So if you want to learn how to be more dog logical, you're in the right place. Now let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It is your host, Renee, along with the wonderful co-host, Cassie. Hello. So today we are talking about obedience. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like anytime you say obedience, as far as in the dog world, it needs to be followed by that little sound bite. Um, and we'll get into why that is in just a moment, but I wanted to just check in with you, Cassie, and see how your week has been. Oh my goodness. It's been pretty good. Um, holidays are over, so we're just slowly getting back into the swing of things, minus the consistent interruptions by all of the dogs in my life. Um, we're <laughs> pretty good over here. Um, what about you? How are things going post-holiday crazy? I know. I mean, our holidays were really chilled this year. So we just, yeah, we had a really nice Christmas, New Year's. There was a lot of wind and rain here. So they didn't have any fireworks or I think we only heard like maybe three or four big bangs, but that was really it. So yeah, it was just, this year was just really chilled out and and relaxed. And I'm really thankful for that. I think I, I just, I don't know about you, but I just needed it this year. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do feel that. I am, we honestly kind of did the same. We were pretty, pretty chill. We went and saw my partner's parents um, and like their extended family for one evening and then just hung out with my dad and his wife and my brother and watched movies. Like there was not a whole lot to it. So it was really relaxed, really chill, kind of exactly what I needed because I did not did not have capacity for holidays this year. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even put up any decorations this year. It just Same. snuck up on me. I remember watching something, I think it was some kind of, I don't know, Instagram reel or something. And it said uh, about Christmas. And I was like, why are they putting this stuff up for Christmas? And then I was like, oh yeah, Renee, it's like the first week of December. <laughs> it just oh, completely God. blew my mind. Like I just was so, I don't know, angry that they were putting this Christmas stuff up and yeah, that's because it's uh, Chris officially like Christmas time. That's what people do when it's Christmas time. Um, but yeah, definitely snuck up on me this year. I think, you know, when we are around friends, family, things like that, it can, I know, sometimes get a little uh, tricky with other people's opinions of our dogs or even so much as like, you know, our opinions about other people's dogs. Um 
And I think this is also why having this chat about obedience is kind of, you know, a good time to do it because I think the word obedience gets thrown around a lot, especially when we're maybe judging our family or friends' dogs um, and we think, gosh, that dog needs training or gosh, that dog needs to listen better. Um, Mm. When really we might be kind of missing the mark with that. So what are your thoughts about generally, you know, obedience within our industry? I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I don't like, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't love obedience. Um, I don't see the benefit that a lot of people feel that it has. Um, and I think like defining it to start off with, like it comes with negative connotations for me. It comes with difficulties for me. And it's, it's funny that you mention, especially around the holidays, because um, my guy, or he was my guy. He previously passed. I have a hard time figuring out how to say that now. Um, he's still your guy. It's true. It's true. Um, but so when he was about seven months old or a year and a bit, somewhere around that age range, um, I had gone to a family holiday thing and it was back when my, like my, my whole extended family used to get together all the time, like pre COVID, obviously 10 years ago, because my guy was 10 when he passed. Um, but there was, of course, my family's a dog family. There's always anywhere from three to seven dogs when we get together. And, you know, like we make sure everybody's comfy and happy and all of those fun things. But basically, seven dogs. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. Our extended family has, there's a lot of dogs in general. That's either um, like somebody's heaven. Or somebody's nightmare. <laughs> it's a little bit of both when you're a, a trainer. And something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, thankfully, like there's the space for it, and the dogs that you know maybe aren't comfortable with it. Like people make really good choices. Essentially, like if they recognize that their dog is uncomfortable in that situation, they don't bring them or That's whatever. Yeah. Maybe. So, which is really <laughs> great. But essentially, we had I think there were five or four or five dogs at this particular family Christmas and my aunt makes banana cream pie every year for Christmas because it is several of our favorite um and so it it was downstairs in the basement of their like bungalow um sitting on top of the washer and dryer because we had put you know several of the pies down there just to keep them cool because the basement's a little cooler and there wasn't room in the fridge because it's the holidays there's tons of stuff and uh lo and behold one of these banana cream pies ended up having a big piece of it eaten. Like just the corner <laughs> of it, like definitely a dog got up there and licked the crap out of the corner of the banana cream pie. Well, I still to this day don't believe necessarily that it was my dog, but everybody else does. So that followed my dog around the whole 10 years of his life, the whole 10 years of like your dog ate the banana cream pie. Like it was his fault. He's the one that did it. And it was that like ongoing running joke of your dog needs to be better trained. And meanwhile, I'm going like, oh my dog's a puppy. And I'm yeah. 100% sure he was at my feet pretty much that whole time. Because at the time, I constantly had a tree patch with me and was doing a lot of training with him. And big family events were really new to him. And you know what I mean? So I was paying a lot of attention to him from what I remember. But to be fair, you know, stuff happens. So that followed him around his entire life. And it gives me a lot of like 
thoughts and feelings, especially with you mentioning like that, you know, other people have these opinions of your dog, or maybe we have opinions of other people's dogs when it comes to their need for training or their need for obedience. And I find that way too many people sit on the side of that dog needs obedience or that dog needs, you know, specific things. Whereas really like, I don't feel that way. I very much feel that our dogs are sentient beings. They should have autonomy. They should have choice and they should have all of these other things. They should not be forced into situations where they have to perform or meet certain stereotypes or that type of thing. So I have a really hard time with obedience. A very hard time with obedience. And I think you're right. You know, it does have this negative connotation attached to it. I know whenever I think of obedience, I do think of more of that, you know, do it or else it's, you know, kind of linked in with the word command versus a cue. And it does have the feeling of less autonomy, you know, for our animals. Um, And even so much as like for ourselves. So like as a kid, you know, this, this term obedience doesn't just sit within the dog training realm. It sits, you know, very much in society, you know, children are seen and not heard, you know, you're supposed to do as you're told. Um, I know when I was really young, my mom loves telling the story about how I used to curtsy. And I was like, (laughs) First of all, I can't imagine that. I don't remember doing it, but how polite I was. And I said, please, and thank you and things like that. But, you know, when we're young, those are looked at as really admirable qualities in children. But for me, it's just kind of like, well, I'm just doing, you know, what is being told to me, you know, say thank you, do this, do that. And although my mom was a fantastic mom and, you know, she did have, we did have a lot of fun and things like that. Obedience for me is very much kind of entrenched in what we do with, you know, our children or some of, some of us do with our children is, you know, our, our children should pay attention to us. Our children should do as they told, they shouldn't talk back. Um, And I think even with more, recognition for things like gentle parenting, which sounds very, you know, like, why isn't all parenting gentle? But, um, you know, even things like that, where we're starting to realize that animals, all animals, including humans, do better with choice, with flexibility. Um, And so I think, yeah, that's a really prominent part of it. I mean, some people would say obedience is just part of the thread of dog training. So it, there's really no negative connotation with it at all. And I can appreciate that. But I think that there is at least definitively within the positive realm, we've pretty much have abandoned that term. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. Um, I haven't used the term obedience to describe anything I've done in my training for at least 10 years. Um, Like, at least, except for specific things like, oh, for example, like rallyo. So rally obedience, sure, maybe. (laughs) But like, no, I don't use it to describe anything. If anything, I say things like basic manners, 
the manners that we would like our dogs to have around, you know, in certain situations around certain people, not the compliance. And I think that's where that's the big difference for me. For for me, when people say obedience, I immediately think compliance. You're giving an order and that dog's job is to comply. And I don't think that that leads to good relationships anywhere unless you're in the military. Like this, it's just not, it does not create (laughs) beneficial relationships or two-sided relationships. It is very one-sided. It is very, it's, it's me or else, you know, my way, the highway, that sort of thing. And I, I agree. I don't know. Obedience, like just, just the word makes me kind of itchy. <laughs> That's that classical conditioning, you know? So like now we've been classically conditioned to, to not have good responses towards the words obedience. And yeah. But I think more so for me, the the kind of information that I try to push forward is the reliance on obedience in order to have your dog behave better. And yeah. so when that comes as kind of, you know, the presented narrative of if you have an obedient dog, then you have a dog who is a well-behaved dog. And we know, obviously, that that's not always the truth because obedience is the ability to respond, um, you know, granted maybe with a, a high efficiency and a promptness, but that isn't going to override the emotional response that an animal has. So like I said, with the situation with me as a kid, potentially, although I don't, again, remember me ever doing these things, um, you know, if I maybe was pushed into a situation where I felt uncomfortable, I imagine that any of my manners or, you know, how polite I was, would have gone completely out the window. And we see this with our dogs, you know, and I, I dare I say it, that there's a certain kind of sector of the dog industry that relies a lot on obedience. And this can be a great example of seeing this type of um, situation. But when we force our dogs to comply and they're not emotionally available to be able to do that, it then starts to put a lot of pressure on the dog, a lot of pressure on the handler or the guardian. And then that can lead into a very slippery slope of forcing our dogs into situations that we just shouldn't be. And, you know, I'm kind of beating around the bush here, but it's just to say that, you know, we don't need to force our dogs into situations, getting them to comply through obedience in order to be able to affect effectively change their behavior. We really need to look at the underlying emotional element and help nurture, support, guide the dog into how to respond to those things and build resiliency. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that a lot of the time too, like as you mentioned, not to like beat around the bush. So I'm just come out with it. Um, when <laughs> I hear obedience, I hear punishment. I'm like, someone says, Oh, we're doing obedience. I hear positive punishment, negative reinforcement. Like I hear 
visions of Malinois dancing in your head. Exactly. Like I hear the lesser wanted things that remove autonomy and remove, you know, they become not voluntary behaviors at this point. Right. So like we think about behavior and we go, this is how this dog acts in response to a situation or a stimuli. If, if you put my dog in a situation where, you know, there's kids and strollers and bikes and rollerblades and those types of things and just see how he responds, if he responds by running away, I'm going to let him run away. But the obedience mindset would be to put him in a sit stay or a down stay and force him to be in that situation, whether there's comfort or no comfort. And to me, that breaks relationships, that creates negative associations, that could potentially create fear and aggression responses because of that fear and things that, so like, I'm gonna just go with the note. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't appreciate the things that obedience can do. And I don't think that the effect that it can have potentially on behavior is ever a good one. Yeah. It's very important for us to be clear about, you know, if you are coming from a place where maybe you've seen some things on social media and you think that, for instance, your dog on presence of seeing, let's say, another dog that makes them uncomfortable, that you need to have your dog sit and are not allowing your dog to have that emotional response, or you're thinking that the sit is going to stop that emotional response and that you are actually counteracting the way that your dog feels about other dogs in that scenario. This is what we're saying is that that sit then becomes completely unreliable. It becomes something that you are then saying to your dog, you know, essentially, I see that you are unsafe, but I'm going to have you do this thing and still resist the ability for you to have an emotional response and also the flight that comes with that fight or flight. And so I think that's what you're saying as well, is that it forces the dog taking away that flight option, that fight is the only thing that they feel like they can have. And so that can lead people to, well, I've done the thing that I saw on the TikTok, which is what I need to do to, to keep my dog, um, you know, in this place where they're conquering their fears. It isn't working. So I guess I need to maybe rely on punishing my dog and when we say punishing, you know, this could be through varying methods, anything as far as, you know, telling the dog, leave it with, you know, a stern tone to all the way up to, you know, a, a correction with some sort of tool. And I think that's where it's such a slippery slope because it it's already set you up to fail if you're relying on the fact that you need to implement that sit or whatever that might be in that scenario and it just completely cuts off the emotional side for the dog. Yep. You like literally hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> even know how to, like, I feel as though there are, so, and all this to say that I don't love obedience, right? You know, like I yeah. don't, 
I'm sure you don't. We don't love obedience. But that's not to say obedience can't be done in a positive way or in a way where, you know, it's enjoyable. Those types I think of when you like, said rally, that was what came to my head as well. Like if you're doing it for fun and your dog is enjoying it and you're, you know, looking at your dog and your dog is like, yeah, you know, this is the funnest thing ever. And there isn't that element that has to do with the emotional side. I think that's, you know, at least for me, that's where I would say, cool, you want to do obedience, you know, do it for fun. There's yeah. no reason to do it and feel like it has to have an element within your behavior modification. Because I know for me, and I'm sure, Cassie, you're probably going to say the same because based on your answers already, (laughs) when I tell clients, like, we're not doing any obedience, you know, we're looking at the emotional side and we're looking at what we can do to get you and your dog working together. And that doesn't involve any sort of obedience whatsoever. And I think people have a hard time, sometimes have a hard time understanding that because of all of the information that we see, and I see it too, on social media that contradicts that. It is. Like, I I think obedience and I think big burly dude with a Rottweiler forcing him into a downstay in the middle of a park while puppies are running around playing. Like, That's what I think when I think of obedience. It's not a fun picture for me. It's not like a, I look at that dog and I go, that dog is so uncomfortable. Like what is the benefit for the dog, for the owner and for the relationship? And I think that that's a big, 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 big thing for me. When I look at like what approach I'm going to take to training, I always ask myself a few different things. And one of those things is what benefit does it have? I don't see obedience as being hugely beneficial in any way, shape or form to relationship, to behavior, to well-adjusted dogs, to, you know what I mean? It's a no, like it just, it, it's not beneficial. And I think that there's this weird feeling Everybody seems to have, especially people um, who are like just getting into getting a new dog and then they go, oh, you know what? Like, oh, it's my first dog. I'm going to get a Dutchie or I'm going to get a Malinois because look how smart they are. They're all over TV and they're amazing. And then they get two months in and they learn that dog's a little alligator. Um, Yes, 100% I call Malinois Malligators and I have for years. (laughs) Um, they, They realize that this dog is a lot to handle And then they go online and they see, like you said, all those TikToks of, oh, these perfectly, like, you know, this dog does exactly what their handler asks them the moment they're asked of it. But because this person is new to having a dog and the dog training world and all of those things, they see that and they go, well, that's amazing. I want a dog that can do that. And in my brain, it's like, nah, you want a robot. That's not that's not a dog making choices for itself and enjoying itself and whatever, whatever. And there's often, like we said, punishment involved and there's often other difficult things. So I think realistically, and especially with those types of breeds, because let's, let's be completely honest. A lot of the breeds that have high rates of obedience being used with them are breeds that typically tend to display some type of reactivity, whether it's based in frustration or fear or, whatever it is, 
those are typically breeds that are going to display those issues. And it's when people start to have those issues with that dog that they turn to obedience as well. And they think, oh, well, it's solved. But then the moment that obedience stops or we stop implementing those things, we've actually just created more of a problem. And there's often harder, more difficult behaviors at play now because it's, again, negatively affected the dog by trying to habituate something that isn't habituatable. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like it just, it's not, it's not a thing. Right. Um, and I know, like I said, it sounds like I'm like ragging on everybody that does obedience. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Um, but that's typically what comes to my mind when I think about obedience and obedience-based behaviors and how they kind of work. Did you know that we offer our expert services worldwide? If you've been looking for a dog professional to help you communicate better with your dog and have the relationship that you've always wanted, check out rplusdogs.com to see what services we offer. As your you know, just running through that. I'm sitting here and Lycan is next to me and I'm just giving him some really nice, you know, massages and things like that and thinking, you know, how lucky. (laughs) Scott and I always say, Lycan, you are so lucky because a German Shepherd, high drive, working line dog, you know, who has dealt with two bouts of reactivity in his life and never once have we gone through obedience and never once have we resulted in using, you know, tools that others might associate with a dog like him. Um, I mean, he has no idea what I'm, what I'm saying or thinking, but um, you know, (laughs) for us, we're like, that is the narrative. You know, it's so hard when I see dogs like him because most of the time when we see them, we see them in tools, you know, that are um, more towards the obedience realm. So aversive tools that are going to get a compliant dog. Um, and I just, you know, I, I he is to me the testament that it is possible um, to be able to work through, you know, behavior concerns without relying on obedience and without using those types of of methods. And there are others out there, you know, I'm not alone in that whatsoever, but working with a high drive dog is, I I understand the need and I understand where that um, kind of spoken rule is that these dogs need a certain type of, or I wouldn't say it's unspoken because it's, it's, prominently out there, but they need a certain type of handler. They need a certain type of method. They need a certain type. And I get that because they have big feelings, probably, you know, bigger feelings than most other dogs, um, or at least they express them more readily than, than other dogs. Um, and that can be scary sometimes, or you could feel like I'm not getting through to this dog. Um, And so I get it. I get why people do and why they think that way. It's just really hard to see dogs in those situations like Lycan who are having to deal with, you know, someone who is maybe has been influenced by social media or working with, you know, an unqualified person. Um, And when I say unqualified, I just mean, you know, no certifications or 
really education, I suppose, at all. But I think when it comes to obedience, that's probably the scariest part is that there are so many dogs out there who we are using these types of um, methods on and really just not taking that emotional component and examining it. Because I know with like, and he is such a soppy, sweet, gentle, goofy, you know, he is just awesome. And I would shudder to think that if I had used these types of methods on him, what he would be like and whether he would still be that soppy, you know, goofy. I mean, he's like, we say all the time that he's like a five-year-old puppy. Um, (laughs) He's not five yet. He'll be five in March, but he's still like, you know, bounds up to you and has these little like mischievous looks sometimes when you're playing with him. And, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to not have that be part of his personality. And I mean, who knows if it would have been or it wouldn't have been, but we see that sometimes with the the dogs that we also see on social media. So, I mean, I think obedience is definitely one of those kind of like, there's a good side to it. If you're having fun and your dog is enjoying themselves and there isn't this feeling that we need it in order to have control of our dogs. Um, but that's the other kind of darker flip side is that it does rely on that kind of controlled centered, um, like you said, the lack of autonomy in, in our dogs feeling like that is the only option that we have in order to help them. And it's just absolutely not. Yeah, I completely agree. And it makes it difficult, especially when, you know, I would say that I am extremely lucky in the clientele that I typically work with. Um, because, when someone comes to me, they already know what type of trainer they're getting. They already know the behavior consultant behind the lens, you know? Um, so they know that something like obedience isn't going to be something I recommend. And I get very lucky that I don't have to do a lot of convincing people that it's, you know, not the right choice or other things too. So I think that moving people towards a more kind and almost gentle guardianship of our dogs um, is really just the best way to go. And if you want to train obedience, train obedience, but do it in a fun and positive way. Don't force your dog into situations where they might not be comfortable. Or if you recognize that they are uncomfortable, get them the heck out. You know, like make it so that you're offering choice you're offering fun, you're offering enrichment, because realistically, obedience can be enrichment. It can be basic manners. It can be just having a grand old time with your dog to see what they're capable of figuring out. It can be teaching them how to learn instead of just teaching them cue response. So I think that that's a big, big, big part of it for me anyways. And I will tell you one thing when our next dog comes along, whenever that may be and whomever that may be, uh, obedience is not likely to be on the docket. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I used to with like, and we used to do shepherdy things and we still will work on some like fun cues 
and Shepherdy Things is that kind of like obedience element to it. But I mean, you can see when he's doing it, like he is just like primed and ready. We're almost like, tell me what to do, designator. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. <laughs> because yeah. he just gets so much. But the flip side of that is that, you know, when he does do the thing, whatever it is, it's the reward he's working for. He's not doing it to please me. He's not doing it because, you know, oh my God, like my, you know, human has all the control and I can't wait for them to have all the control. He's just like, I want the freaking reward. Like usually it's a toy or, you know, maybe it is some food and sometimes it's even cardboard. Like he'll do stuff. He is not bothered whatsoever what the reward is. He makes up his own ideas. Could be a piece of plastic. I don't know. He, he has some very interesting rewards. But he wants to do it because he wants the payment. He doesn't care whether I'm like, oh, my God, like, and you're so cute or, you know, that's so funny or anything like that. No, he's like, what do you got for me? So, yeah. you know, even that is it's fun, but it's still you know, on his terms. And if I don't have a good thing, he's not going to do the shepherdy things. And I'm like, cool, you don't want to do that. You can do whatever you want. It's fine. So, I mean, even though we do, I suppose, a very light and fun obedience, I wouldn't even still call it that. So I call it like shepherdy things. But <laughs> I think it's, it's not around that control element. And especially when we have worked on his reactivity in, in the past, you know, it's very much about where are you emotionally? And I think, at least for me, you know, specializing in, in reactivity and, and fearful dogs, the obedience element, a lot of clients already come to me with that in place. And I'm like, cool, if you want to do tricks, you know, you want to work on heal, whatever, that's cool. But it's just not something that we're going to focus on. So you know, you can keep that on the back burner. But, you know, as we know, that emotional element is going to override everything. So obedience can be, if you have any kind of cues that are obedience cues, they can be nice gauges. You know, can my dog do the X, Y, Z? Oh, he can do X, Y, and Z. Great. That's good. Maybe he's under threshold. We're, we're getting a response from him. That's cool. But I'm not going to ask you to force a heel, you know, walking past a person on a skateboard while your dog is like petrified. Um, that's just not going to be part of that, you know, element for therapy. The, the exposure therapy with humans, you, the human has control. And when the dogs don't have control, we need to be the caregivers in that situation and say, emotionally, where are you? And how can I keep you emotionally well? And if I can't, then I have no, no need to be there in that scenario. I love that. That's actually a really great way to kind of put it, <laughs> to like wrap it into a very like neat, concise, like, yeah, thank yeah. you. You don't need to be there. <laughs> you don't need to be there. It's fine. Um, yeah. So what would you say, since we've kind of talked about, and I think we, we've covered pretty well, um, you know, obedience and how we, how we feel about it. And I think we've articulated that pretty well as well. But what would you say are more kind of alternatives? So I've already mentioned with reactivity that I'm really looking at the emotional element for dogs. Um, and for me, that's going to be largely working under threshold. So 
with no reactions, with your dog feeling as good as possible. Um, and I've already said about, you know, asking for maybe some cues to gauge where the dog is emotionally. But what would you say is kind of alternatives for obedience in the sense of maybe looking at the therapy element for dogs? There's so many, there's so many alternatives to look at from that like therapeutic lens. Um, play is a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So play, if you, if you offer play as a reward for your dog for making good choices in a certain situation, that's a great alternative. If you are really looking for, you know, you want a specific behavior because you've chosen a specific situation and you don't want to leave or you have issues or like whatever, get up and go for a walk, take five minutes, get up, move. Movement therapy is huge, especially for dogs. Give them the chance to sniff around, use some of their olfactory senses, get them kind of back to where they're less stressed, a little more comfortable, doing things well, make sure that they're, you know, actively engaging in that and then try again. Those types of things. Like it doesn't need to be a forced interaction or anything at Mm -hmm. all. So Yeah, there's, there's really, there's a lot, a lot of alternatives and it comes down to your individual dog as well. Right. Um, like for example, like my guy would often, whenever he would get stressed, he would just kind of be like, Nope, I'm good. And he would get up, he would walk <laughs> away. He would maybe go find a couple pillows to lay on or something comfy on the floor or whatever. Um, and very, very, very easily would tell us like, nope, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to go or whatever. And oftentimes if he just needed that recharge, just leaving him the heck alone. Worked yeah. great, you know, or yeah. like I said, getting up, going, doing something, resetting so that he does have a break so that trigger stacking isn't happening. Um, and then kind of get back into stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a great way of looking at it, especially with the play element is that it doesn't need to be all about that obedience element and and listening to me and what I tell you and, you know, responding, but just again, another emotional element, like, can you play? Are you feeling loose enough? Are you feeling, because play doesn't happen in fear. You know, nobody goes, I mean, we can say frolic, we can have that kind of uh, emotional response in that we can be a little fidgety, frolicky, you know, in the presence of something that is uncomfortable, but your dog is not going to be like, right, here's my tug. Let's play tug. I'm feeling so good about this situation. They're not going to be able to offer that just like you wouldn't feel like you want to joke around when there's something serious to talk about. The element is... I'm feeling a certain way, i.e. serious or concerned. I need to express that. I need you to take it seriously. So like I know for me when, you know, which doesn't happen very often, but if I want to talk about something serious um, and Scott is, you know, joking around with me, I say it doesn't happen very often because usually I'm the one joking around and he's trying to be serious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... (laughs) Because I have my, I'm serious. And when I say I'm serious, I mean, I'm serious. So (laughs) I'm very clear in my communication. But anyway, um, if that happens, you know, then we can have our partner being like, uh, you're not taking me seriously. I need you to hear this right now. Um, And, you know, 
the other person is not reciprocal to any of that play or any of that kind of, you know, jovial feeling. And it's the same with our dogs. You know, if you can't play, you're not feeling emotionally in the space to be able to relax and enjoy yourself. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great one. Um, so I would say overall with, you know, kind of obedience, it's as a summary, I suppose it's, it can be good. There's that kind of flip side where it's a really positive thing, but it also can have some really dark, uh, kind of not, I don't want to say it can have dark, um, attachments to it, but that sounds a bit severe, but I suppose it can be a little bit more of a, um, less reliable, um, frivolous sort of way to be able to help your dog, um, versus looking at them emotionally and being able to pick up on some of that body language or some of those cues that your dog is saying, hey, I really am not enjoying myself and this is not something I want to be doing and honoring those um, and helping our dogs through that. But I think like you were saying, obedience can be fun. It can be something that you do just because you want to do it and your dog is happy and engaged with you. Um, But really, when it comes down to, you know, to behavior consultants, we're saying with our own dogs, we just don't even bother. And I would go as far as saying like, what I would, if I got a puppy right now, what I would do with that puppy is so different than what I have done with any of my other dogs in the past. (laughs) I probably would not train very many things at all. I would definitely make sure that that puppy is really feeling good about the world around them and that they can be safe and that we have a great bond. But training is most likely going to be things like tricks, you know, stuff that's going to be like life-saving. I need you to know this versus let's go through all the things. And he'll probably wouldn't be one of them. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, definitely not. Honestly, no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would just think now I think about, I'm like, I am so ready for another puppy because, or an older dog. I don't know. I'm, I'm really open to adopting. They're both, you know, like in a near adopted, but, um, surprise, they're not mine. Um, so (laughs) they, I just don't think I would, I think anything, that I would do would be just be so radically different than what I've done in the past. And I'm excited for that. Um, it's probably not going to be for a while, unfortunately, (laughs) but (laughs) when it does happen, you know, I, I'm excited to see where, where that goes, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be so different. And, um, (laughs) maybe we could talk about that on another podcast. Like what would we do hypothetically with our, with our puppies, if we got a puppy right now, hypothetically, like what would we do? That might be a good episode. So I would say definitely, yeah, (laughs) definitely let us know, um, on social media, if you think that that would be an episode that you would like to hear the hypothetical puppy training or puppy raising, um, from us. And we could definitely do an episode on that. Yeah. From two dog trainers who are telling you hindsight is 2020. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Absolutely. 
Right. So thank you so much for joining us, guys. And like I said, if you love the show or you have any comments or you want to hear something on the podcast that you haven't heard before, pop us a message. We're both on social media and both of those links will be in the show notes. But thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Dog Logical Podcast. And if you appreciate the free content that we put out, like this podcast, leave us a review. After all, positive professionals love positive reinforcement. And if you're looking for an ethical, evidence-based dog professional to work with, we're virtual. Check out rplusdogs.com to see what services we offer. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.